Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. We are talking about an episode called In the Light of Day, which is a new episode, but it's also an update episode. And the original episode I had seen, really, but somehow thought it was in a tent. Like I kept thinking the whole thing happened outside. I was like, they were outside by a bonfire. I remembered almost all the details, except I thought it was outside by a tent in a tent. Isn't that weird? I thought that you meant you were in a tent and no. were watching it, which was. Um, Does that sound like me? It sounded a little intense when you said <laughs> it was coming. It, so, it had to get out. It's like a sneeze. Yeah, you just got to get it out. I can't hold that joke yeah. in. That's no, it'll hurt out. yourself. Yeah. But the original was called Dead of the Night. And I think it aired in 2014, I think, a long time ago, before we started doing the show. It's called In the Dead of Night? Yeah. In the, There's a couple episodes called In the Dead of Night, which is a little confusing when I was trying to find the original episode. I was going to say, because I've seen that title before, but we haven't had a title in a while that I didn't get. I don't know why this is called In the Light of Day so much. I think it's only because the original title was called Dead of Night. That helps me immensely. Also, someone died in the middle of the night. And then everything that comes out after is In the Light of the Day. Okay. So this episode aired on March 25th, 2022, season 30, episode 19, hosted by Keith. Should we do a trigger warning in this episode? There will be discussions of suicide. And also, thank you to those of you that let us kindly know that the phrase committed suicide is no longer good to use. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try not to say it. Okay. But thank you for letting us know, everybody. We did not know, and we always want to learn. And so thank you. Thanks for saying it nicely. So this episode, Keith starts out right away talking about something, and then he says, it must have been the booze. And the way he says boo, anytime he says words that have two O's in them, he makes it sound like there's 15 O's. Yeah. He does it with the word odd mm -hmm. and booze. <laughs> Place, San Clemente, California. My people, the time, the morning of the previous day. What now? I rewound about four times because I was, I thought I was hearing it wrong. I sat there just in, I paused and I just put my thinking cap on. I think he means the day before the previous day when the crime was committed. Yes, but we don't know that at this point But why point is he telling us the time is now, why I'm so, why would he phrase it like that? I don't know. Morning of the previous day. A Wednesday. A Wednesday. 2010. I'm so glad that you were as confused about that as I am. I was hoping you just had it sorted <laughs> so that I could just check this off. And Technically, be like, what he's saying is we are talking about a time, a Wednesday, which is the day before the previous day, which is true for any day. Any day fine. is the day before the previous day. But he's okay. Stop. Stop that. Non stop that right now because that it's we don't we can't get into this metaphysical. Am I wrong? I thought I must have missed something major at the beginning. Right. And I thought I kept missing it. Right. Exactly. I love when he waxes poetic, but sometimes it's a little confusing. This one was rough. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob Fisher, an ex police officer turned attorney but he has still kept the distinguished silver cop stash. He got into his car and he drove six hours to Phoenix. So really when Keith said the place San Clemente, he really should have said the place Arizona. 
because that's where the story actually takes place. But it starts with him getting into his in car, the car and driving. Which is why it's the day before the previous day. So he's driving to spend a belated Christmas with his grandkids who are eager to see their papa. And that's how Keith says the word. Sounds like he's saying pop pop quite a bit. But he, he did say pop pop. I put the subtitles on and they also said papa. And I rewound it several times. And They're I heard- wrong. He said pop pop. He says pop pop one time very specifically. This time he may say papa. But at one point when he is in the middle of his interview, he says pop pop. Pop pop. Mm-hmm. But Rob himself says papa, right? Yes. But I think that Keith is just doing that like verbal language right. when you use other words for things. But I okay. distinctly heard pop pop. I'm sorry, this is horrible to say into a microphone, so I apologize. (laughs) These are not microphone friendly. But he is saying P-O-P, P-O-P. The most important part of this is when Keith says there's nothing like being a grandpa. And I just have to ask if there's anyone out there who did not stop and blissfully imagine what it would be like to have Keith be your grandfather. And if you didn't, we are not the same. Rob was a widower who had remarried, but was still close to his deceased wife's family. That's who he's going to see. He's going to see, this is a little confusing, his deceased wife's daughter, Belinda, her husband, Lee, and their two kids. He didn't have any biological children, so these were like his family. Lee apparently was a loud New Yorker personality. That's what they said. That's not what I'm saying. Self-made entrepreneur. He was waiting for news about his latest venture that was supposed to make him and Belinda a ton of money. And Rob said that Lee was a good host. He always served lots of alcohol and it was flowing that night. Half of the B-roll shots in the episode are of glasses being poured with alcohol. Yeah. Or just glasses, glasses, glasses. Later in the night, Rob received an email. Keith tells us it's a moment we want to remember. Let's try, you guys. Let's try to make Keith proud this time. We never remember what he says. It comes up a few times. Yeah. After the email, Lee continued to drink a lot. All three of the adults were drinking, but Belinda went to bed and Rob and Lee stayed up late. Is the stepfather, and this is his step-son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Step-son-in-law. Is that a thing? It's not that weird. These girls know him as their grandpa. Absolutely. Because they divorced, you know, the parents divorced. The and so thing they- that they say is a tiny bit strange is that Lee and Rob are only a year and a half in age difference. Which is also not weird to me. So I have this situation in my family. I think it's very modern. I don't think it's weird. I just think it's a little confusing. And since people tend to get confused during the recaps, at least, or I do, I wanted to, um, people on Twitter seem confused. Let's be real. So I want to just be a little, they always get confused when there's like different family relations than just like normal nuclear family that we are not normal, but you know, traditional nuclear family. So I'll get to that. So then Keith says it was silent. Ice was melting in glasses, half full of vodka. Remember that. He doesn't tell us to remember that, but I'm telling you to remember that. Then a shot. Not a shot of liquor. Correct. Rob discovers his son-in-law, Lee, dead on the floor. Belinda was so drunk. They're all so drunk. She comes out and says she thought they were playing a joke. She did not know it was happening and she was in shock. Rob calls 911 and he says, he shot himself. I don't get it. More on the 911 call later. It will be highly debated. The sergeant that's on the scene sees a bullet wound in Lee's eye and his hand was holding the gun. 
Belinda said she had no idea why he would do this. He seemed a little upset about the email, but they had had money troubles over the years. They had had a car repossessed. Their electricity was turned off for five days. He was always chasing the next big thing. And sometimes he was successful, but most of the time he ended up losing money. He had even reached out to Rob for financial help. And Belinda even went back to school and got a nursing degree to support them. So constant roller coaster of finances in the house. Keith asked Belinda if she ever regretted being with Lee. And she said no, but she wished he would have gotten a stable job. So he had started a company with his friend using technology to track gaming trends, which we never really hear much about, except Dateline uses it as an excuse to show all of their casino B-roll. I appreciated it because gaming trends could be anything now. I was looking away and then I heard a slot sheet machine uh, sound and was like, oh, it's that kind of gaming, not mm-hmm. PC gaming. See, B-roll does help. So Lee is sure this huge deal is about to come through, but then he gets this email and his mood changes. He gets a, He takes a call from his business partner. He seemed upset, but Rob and Belinda were in the middle of a conversation and they didn't take it that seriously. When the cops show up the next morning, Belinda and Rob are still incredibly drunk. And Rob even introduced himself as a former cop. And then he said to the cop, he said, is that Lee in there? Which more on that later. But Keith says, how's that for a red flag? Keith is just pointing out red flags now. In the interrogation, Belinda seemed very calm too calm, maybe, or she's just in shock. She said, we've always pulled through in financial crises before. Also, we don't even own a gun, okay? She doesn't know what time this happened. She only knows the girls went to bed at 10.30, the children, and the 911 call was at 5 a.m. So that whole period seems very confusing to her because she was that drunk. So the detective says, were you intoxicated? Uh, No doy. He says, so you don't know what happened between these times. That's pretty significant. Is there something more to this? And then Belinda, who's been so quiet and calm, like soft voice, kind of sits up straight and she goes, do I need a lawyer? Keith says she came out of her fog. She says, I didn't kill my husband. I didn't want him dead. And then she kind of gets a little snippy. She says, I didn't kill my husband if that's where this is going. So Belinda watches crime shows. Yeah. For sure. Because she had a very clear penny drop moment of, Mm -hmm. oh, wait, 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 wait. You're asking me these specific questions for a reason. Also, she has a blood alcohol level at this point when she's being, which also, I don't know if they can even interview these people right now. I don't, is that? I think they have to, but they should take that into consideration. I don't think they have to. I think they can wait six hours. I don't know. And then do the interview. I mean, what is it going to change besides the fact that the person's blood alcohol level will be normal? They've also gotten more time to think of a story instead of getting their gut reaction. Okay. But I still think they should be interviewing them twice. Once Absolutely. And once right now. 100%. So Belinda, this part was strange. I will admit this is a red flag. She doesn't call to tell Lee's family until two days later. Now, the Lee's mom says, why didn't you tell me? And she says, well, they took our phones and I didn't know your phone number. I guess that's valid. I feel like there would have been a way to get it. Yeah, there must. I feel like even if you call the police and say, I need to inform his family. Or or you need to inform his family. Can you you please inform his family? And get his number off of our phones. 
Why in the world didn't the police do that? That seems like a police thing, right? I guess they only have to tell the next of kin, which would be the wife, so they don't have to inform the rest of the family, even his mom. I think a kind favor would be to inform the mother. Absolutely. Listen, this police department got lots of things to say. So the first officer on the scene was sure it was a homicide, even though this would be his first homicide. So bear in mind that. It's not my first homicide. And I also (laughs) thought it was a homicide. No, it is not. Because they show us the body, like parts of the body quickly. And the thing that he noticed was off. I also wrote down immediately, oh, that doesn't look right. Mm. So. Which was? The gun. The gun is in his hand. In a very awkward placement. Well, we see two photos and I couldn't tell which There's one where it looks like it's in a normal firing position. And there's another one where it's like dangling down. And I couldn't tell, like, did they move the body and then take two photos? I didn't understand what was happening there. Interesting. Which one did you see? The close up shot. Where it's just normal. Where it's the hand. No, it doesn't look normal at all. It looks like it was placed in his hand. Okay. It's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, that's been placed in his hand by someone. Gotcha. So he thought the gun looked placed and that some things looked like they were moved around. Belinda noticed that she was being treated kind of like a suspect at the station. Because Because they wouldn't give her water. They wouldn't let her go to the bathroom. And what else, Katie? They wouldn't give her a blanket. She asked for an interrogation room blanket and they said nay. So don't come at us when you can't mark it off. No, see, I think you should still be able to mark it off because it was brought up. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Your your heart has softened towards my blanket. So thank you. (laughs) Later on, we see a horse statue. And I was like, mark it off your bingo cards, horse B-roll, even though that normally applies to live horses. But I'm willy nilly. Oh, I think a statue would be would be absolutely fine. Rob is also being interviewed at the station in his pajamas. He is stewing, as Keith says, in an alcohol level twice the legal limit. At one point, they say when they first got to the scene, he was three times the legal limit. Stewing means they actually tested their blood alcohol level and not just yeah. guessing because they later on like are speculating that he's not really that drunk, but they say he was three times the legal limit. So- Unless they're just calculating by how many drinks he said he had, but they don't want to just take someone's word for it. I'm sure they tested him, right? You would have to test because you would need that kind of evidence just in case this does turn out to be not a suicide. You need this to be able to say, we gave him this interview, but here was his blood alcohol Mm -hmm. level because the defense would come back with it, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to have the number, Mm -hmm. right? I would think, but... I don't know. Some of this seems very odd to me, right? Just why would you want to, I don't know. I don't just would not want to interview a drunk person about something like this. The really important part to me was that he has one of those, some called it a tribal tattoo. I thought it looked more like the barbed wire tattoo Mm -hmm. around his left bicep. Mm -hmm. And then we see Belinda in a B-roll shot and she has the exact same one on her left arm. And then later we see a shot of Lee. He had the same one. Thoughts? So it must be something that I didn't notice that all three had it. So it must be something to do with her mother. Maybe. I couldn't see close up of exactly what it was. It's in the exact same placement? I think so. It was always on like the left bicep. 
That is a popular place. It is. It is in like the 90s, 2000s. Yeah. So it would be maybe normal, but that is surprising that that they would. All three. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So Rob is kind of slurring in the police interrogation. He says he heard a popping sound and he came out to find Lee. Where did the gun come from? They realize it is Rob's gun. He Mm. had it in his bag in the guest room in a holster. I was pretty unhappy with this because they're super drunk and there are two very young children in the house. And it's just in a duffel bag on the floor in the guest room. I had a lot of questions until the very, very end when they say something very specific. And I said, oh, okay." Yeah, there's another part to that, though, that I feel like we're missing that we don't exactly know when it happens. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It made me feel better, too. So... Apparently the gun is unloaded and Rob doesn't know how Lee got the gun with bullets in it because he was so drunk. He has like very little recollection of any of this. The detective tells Rob he did not kill himself. It looks like someone moved the body. And Rob says, I would never shoot him. I don't remember anything, but I know I wouldn't. We never fought. But like he is that drunk that he is making it seem like he honestly might not remember If he had done it, he just knows that they never fought and he would never do it. And I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this up early because it's going to come up a bunch. Mm -hmm. He also probably wouldn't remember if he moved the body. That's true, too. If indeed it is a suicide and you are that intoxicated, you very well might go up and try to see, are they breathing? Is something happening? You very well might do some sort of action around the body that you don't remember. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. So Rob goes home to California. Keith kind of makes him feel guilty for bringing the gun. And I kind of laughed because it's not like Keith to do that. He's like, did you feel bad that if you hadn't brought the gun, this wouldn't have happened? Belinda tells the girls that daddy went to heaven and she's crying. And I did see a tear. The people who online said she had no tears. I don't know what show they were watching because I saw an actual tear and her eyes are bright red. So, yeah, there were a lot of tears. Yeah, I don't know what these people were watching. Meanwhile, Lee's family is suffering. Okay, get ready. Lee's family was suffering from their own brand of agony. Of the mushroom in the dark variety. Yeah, go. I had never heard of this expression. Had no idea what he was talking about. Had you? So my two main questions in this. Yeah. You can't answer either of them. No, I can because I gave it a bing. Okay. But at the beginning, I was lost. I was adrift at sea. I was buffaloed. I thought I had, again, missed something important. (laughs) And I said, if she states it confidently and goes over it in the recap, I'm just going to nod and be quiet and not say anything. And if she brings it up more specifically, it means she didn't know either. So we're, we're in situation number two. I had I was ready for both. We both know and don't know the exact same things. We're like at the same level of knowledge. Which is worrisome. I think that's what happens when you know each other for a long time. So I gave it a bang. Great. There is something called the mushroom treatment where people say they're being treated like mushrooms. And it's a jokey kind of expression. And what it means is that one feels like they are being intentionally kept in the dark and told lies 
or being uninformed about something because mushrooms commonly grow in dark environments. Mm -hmm. So they're kept in the dark and they feed on manure. So they are being fed BS. Excrement. Yes. Okay. What century is this saying? (laughs) What hundred year period? This is so... It's not even Dennis Old Timey because right. Dennis Old Timey is like specific to gumshoe. Right. This feels like Renaissance. Right. I feel like we might get some emails now and people will be like, I've heard of it and I'm only whatever. What also makes it confusing is Keith kind of twisted it. He didn't say they felt like they were being given the mushroom treatment. He said they were suffering from their own brand of agony of the mushroom in the dark variety. So he just assumed that we knew it and we got this beautiful language. I love him because he doesn't dumb it down. Thank you, Keith. We'll know for next time. I'm ready for next time. Listen, I always say that I'm always willing to learn. And I feel like I've I learned from Keith. I learned new words and phrases. Now we know this. Are you sad because no one at work laughed at your what did the girl mushroom say to the boy mushroom joke? You're a fun guy. If so, our sponsor, BetterHelp, can help you deal with your sadness. BetterHelp is online therapy offering video sessions with a therapist so you don't need to drive to an office or sit in a waiting room. And they even offer phone and video chat sessions with your therapist. So if you're camera shy because you think you are an actual mushroom, you don't need to see anyone on camera and your therapist can help you with that. It's sometimes way easier to open up to someone on a computer than it is in real life. And BetterHelp is also more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, which is way faster than traditional therapy. Stop treating your own life problems by eating a lot of portobellos and calling it a mushroom treatment. Try getting some actual treatment with BetterHelp. Mm. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I've been working with my therapist on my lifelong fear of mushrooms. And the fact that I've gotten through this whole ad without crying proves that therapy works. Contact BetterHelp today to start living a happier and healthier life. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And a Date with Dateline listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dateline. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash dateline. Thank you, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. Seriously, you guys terrified of mushrooms. No joke. Won't touch them. She better get some help. Katie, are you sick of beauty companies giving you the mushroom treatment, keeping you in the dark and not being transparent with their ingredients? Yeah, I like a beauty company that I can trust, especially when it comes to my hair, because Mm -hmm. my hair is already problematic. (laughs) So I need to place it in very knowledgeable and trustworthy hands. And those are the folks over at Pros. For many of us, stress is just a regular feature of daily life. Or for some of us, sadly, it's a main feature of our daily lives. Your job, your family, your unruly cats who have decided that they only like trout cat food. And if it isn't trout, it's not for them. So have fun finding trout for your spoiled rotten cat with a fancy palate. It's stressful. And stress can trigger physical reactions like dramatically increased hair shedding and thinning. And what's wild is that people usually lose about 50% of their total hair before they even notice that they have an increase in shedding. That blows my mind. Yeah. Now there's a way to stop stress-related hair loss in its tracks and spark new, stronger growth. And that is our friends at Pros. 
Pros specializes in custom hair care, and now they also make custom hair supplements that help reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. Through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues, like age, hormonal changes, stress levels brought on by your cat or cat's <laughs> diet, and more. Pros supplements use only natural, clean, safe ingredients, not drugs or hormone disruptors. All formulas are toxicologist approved, gluten-free, and vegan, and they really, really work. Multiple studies show that over 90% of women taking Pro's hair supplements saw less shedding, more growth, and overall improved appearance in just 90 days. So try your own custom hair supplements and you'll get 15% off. All you have to do is go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off custom hair supplements. Get on it. They really work and it's time to stop the shed. Thank you, pros. Thank you, pros. Belinda threw a celebration of life after six months and Lee's family came and they very tensely asked Belinda what happened because they are feeling very suspicious right now. And she said, according to them, you'll never know what happened. So I don't know if she said it in that tone of voice. Keith asked Belinda and she says, that's absolutely not what I said. And because you'll never know what happened kind of implies I know what happened, but I'll never tell you what happened. And she says, that's absolutely not what I said. I said, this is not the time or the place to have that conversation. We will never know what happened because these are two people that are going to have very specific memories about this conversation. And it is going to tilt heavily towards how they felt at the time at a highly stressful event. Absolutely. So this was a rough one for me. I felt really bad. Yeah. So Rob was at the memorial. He didn't say anything to Lee's family and they were expecting an apology like, sorry, my gun killed your son. And he says on his part, I could never say anything to change how they felt. How they're feeling is someone killed our son and they think it was Belinda or Rob. They do not believe he killed himself. Yeah. Rob's sister, Lisa, decides to play detective. She requested the 911 call and she gets the CD in the mail and the whole family listens to it. The family thought it was very odd indeed. Yeah. Rob says... On the 911 call, he shot himself. 911 operator says, who shot himself? Rob says, I don't know who he is. He's like, like wife's cousin. What? The 911 operator says, okay, I'm sorry. Is he a family friend? Rob says, he is my daughter-in-law's cousin, I think. Wow. Then the 911 call is disconnected and he calls 911 again. They say, who is this person to you that shot themselves? And he says, what? Who is he? And he's asking Belinda, who's standing there, who is he? And Belinda says, who's who? And again, they say, who is it that is shot? And he says, he's my daughter-in-law's friend. How old is he? I don't know. He looks to, I don't know. How old is he? And then you hear Belinda very calmly say 50. It is the strangest 911 call I think I've ever heard. Okay, just a couple questions. Number one, why doesn't Belinda make the call? She's in shock. Clearly. Clearly. I don't know because Rob found him. I don't know. 
But Belinda is awake and up. It's not that, I mean, yeah. I think she's in shock, but I think she's also clearly pretty upset with Rob. I don't, she says she still kind of thought it was a joke at this point. So she's only kind of processing that it's really happening when he's on the 911 call. Okay. The thing is, a lot of people still think that either Belinda and or Rob are guilty. A lot of people on Twitter do. And that's what this whole rest of the episode will be about. But in my point of view, just looking at this, sure, it kind of looks suspicious. <laughs> like it just looks weird that he doesn't recognize his own son-in-law. On the other hand, it looks so weird that I don't believe a person who is guilty would pretend to not know who the victim was in order to make themselves look more innocent. Right. Because it doesn't. It looks super sus and super weird. Or they think he was faking being that drunk. And I don't know if you would fake being drunk by pretending you don't know who someone in your own family is. Also, I think when you hear the 911 call, it's very, very clear how drunk he is. Yeah. You can't really fake that. It's a weird sort of daisy talk that he's Mm -hmm. doing. And I think that if you are a certain level of intoxicated, you'd get real confused and not really know what was going on. Oh, wait, there's a dead person. But who is this person? I don't recognize this person. That all seems very normal to me, especially if they were shot in the face. He barely knows where he was at that moment, which will come up when he heard the shot. He barely knows like what he was fully blacked out, like awake, but blacked out. And so he maybe thought that Lee had gone to bed. And so who is this person on the floor if he assumes Lee is sleeping? You know, he's just yeah so confused. So I find it very strange for sure, but almost believable because I don't know if someone would make that up thinking it would make them look innocent. Like I couldn't have killed them. I don't even know who they are when it's your own son-in-law. Yeah, also you're, you can't argue that he's drunk. So- I don't think a drunk person would also be able to come up with that idea to, to, oh, I don't, maybe I'll just pretend like I don't know who he, that's not something that someone would come up with. Drunk people do come up with pretty dumb schemes sometimes though, now that I think about it. Not like that. It's sort of hard to say. It's like on one hand, you think he's too drunk to do certain things, but then the other hand, you're saying he's so drunk that he does certain things. So it's, what do you mean? Well, the pro- the prosecution feels like he's too drunk to do this, but he totally did this. But you just said he was too drunk to do this, but you think he was lucid enough to stage a crime scene? You know, like, right? it's hard to play both ways. But yeah. so Rob hires an attorney and has his attorney reach out to the police. They don't seem that interested in him. They're going after Belinda. They go to speak to her multiple times. She was the beneficiary of Lee's life insurance. It is blocked because of the investigation. The DA tries to depose the children to talk to them. And Belinda says it got really contentious with them. And they threatened to call CPS on her if she didn't let them talk to the children. Then she finally hires an attorney. Yeah. Now Belinda tells a different story. Now that she is sobered up, she kind of is remembering more of her timeline now. You could call it coming up with a different story or you could call it remembering or you could call it a sobered up version, whatever you happen to think of. How about Belinda. a sobered up, not in shock version of yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. Right. So she says she went to bed at midnight and at 5 a.m. Rob was in her room shaking her, waking her up, saying, where's Lee? Where's Lee? 
which makes me think he really was that confused that he found the body, didn't know who it was, ran to get her and said, where's Lee? Because Lee wasn't in bed with her. Yeah. And was freaking out. Yeah. And super intoxicated. Mm -hmm. So the investigators finally come to believe Belinda had nothing to do with it and she's innocent. Twitter disagrees. Then finally, the cause of death comes out. And this is like six months later. The cause of death finally comes out. It's ruled a homicide. The police think it's Rob. He was faking being that drunk on the 911 call. He said he was asleep when he heard the shot, but they didn't think the guest bedroom looked slept in. I would have loved to see more pictures of that. We saw no pictures of that. We saw stock footage of a bedroom and Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have seen what they saw. I don't know why we didn't get to see it. If he was drunk and he just fell asleep on the bed. Right. I've done that. Did it look just pristine like hospital corners or did it just look like the comforter hadn't been pulled open? You know, because depending on the bed, like the comforter, you would see an impression on the bed. You would know if he had been on the bed Mm -hmm. or if no body had been laying Mm -hmm. on that Mm -hmm. bed. I would love to see those photos. There would be an indention in the pillow. I would think. At the very least. Maybe not by the time the police came and took pictures of the room. Maybe not also if he went across the end of the bed face first, which I've seen drunk people do. You know, they just lay across the bed. Like starfish themselves? Pretty much. Or just straight ahead like Superman. Oh, like Superman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think if he was on top, I'm... Yeah, how long does an impression stay in... We'd need a whole scientific study because you have to think it was like at least a half an hour by the time they took photos of the bed. At least, probably longer. Unless someone came in and smoothed it, it would still be like that. You think so? Even the pillow or the pillow, I feel like retracts pretty easily. No, if it's a memory foam, sure, it'll plump back up. But if it's just a down pillow, it'll just stay down. Gotcha. It'll stay impressed. Interesting. What kind of pillows were they? Yeah, we have lots of... We're, we're going to we need detectives? a uh, bedroom specialist. Yep. That would be a good specialty. There are specialties on everything. I think they have them. In the kitchen, there are two glasses of drinks and both have ice in them, which makes them think that Rob was up drinking. Did you see ice in both? I saw ice. It looked like it had melted. I saw ice in one. You saw ice in one. And nothing in the other. Like a remnant of Maybe they wood. showed the wrong photo. Okay. Maybe the drink that was by Lee didn't have ice, but the other drink had ice in it. So they assumed that that was Rob's because it wasn't by Lee. I want to know what the temperature of the house was. It was it was December. Me too. Condensation on the glasses. I would like to know the beaded droplets. Droplets. Was the heater on because it was December or was it very cold? I would like to know these questions. Okay, so we need a bedroom specialist. We need Al Roker. We need people. Yeah. Science? Let us know. This is very much like wet head, dry body situation with the room, the breeze, the flow of the air conditioning, heater, whatever. So Rob is arrested in California. Lee's family is happy. Rob's family thinks it's a mistake. Rob's lawyer says he should have never been charged. And Keith says... Why not? (laughs) This big grand, like, why not? It was really funny. I wrote it out with like 10 O's. Tell me more. Because there's no evidence. That's what the lawyer says. Mm -hmm. Now, Belinda thinks there's no way that Rob did this. Mm -hmm. But then as time goes on, she thinks 
they must have evidence because she was brought up to believe that police officers do no wrong and justice always works. The justice system works. And so they don't just charge people, which is hilarious if you watch Dateline. So they do just charge people a lot of times. The trial starts. The prosecutor, I thought at the very beginning, was a bit of a prosecutee. I'm not going to lie. But then I noticed. What? Yeah, I know. But then I noticed that he is wearing what appears to be a Lance Armstrong Live Strong bracelet in court with his suit. And I had to do a bit of detective work myself because I felt like, wouldn't this have been after Lance Armstrong was scandalized and we all threw out our bracelets. So I looked at the timeline. In 2012, he was charged with doping. All of his medals are taken away. In 2013, in January, he went on Oprah and admitted it that he totally doped the whole time. In 2013, in November, so almost a year after, the trial starts. Prosecutor is still wearing the Livestrong bracelet. Sorry, it says Livestrong? No, it is just a yellow Livestrong type bracelet. It could have been for something else. It's absolutely not that bracelet then because there are so many like kid fundraisers at school and stuff that you buy the bracelet to support this kid on this run. They didn't use yellow after Lance did that whole thing. They sure did. They sure did. Well, that was really dumb. Lots of people just didn't pay attention. You bet they did. They didn't pay attention to Lance Armstrong's scandal. Yeah, I barely paid attention to that scandal. But this is right after it happened. So you think that he was what saying, I support Lance and his problems? What do you what do you I don't know. Or that he's just lazy and didn't take it off? What do you like? What do you think happened here? All of these are my questions. (laughs) Okay, I think it's really going to be a just a very innocent explanation. If we were to ask this prosecutor, why were you wearing that yellow bracelet? You'd be like, oh, my daughter gave it to me. And so I just wear it because it makes me think of her. I know it's the hit the color of his blah, blah, blah. I bet you. I feel like given that time and this was front page news, the jury is watching everything you do because mm-hmm. you're going up and talking for like an hour for your closing. Mm-hmm. They're just watching you. I feel like they're looking at everything, including that yellow bracelet. Choices. Choices. <laughs> Maybe he'll call us. And tell us what it actually was. I did say I thought he was a prosecutee at first. Yeah, I think that's been over overshadowed. But that's all right. <laughs> By the 10 minutes about how the Lance Armstrong bracelet is unacceptable. But that's fine. Maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Call us. We'll do our best. So the prosecutor says Lee would never kill himself in his home with his kids there. It's very hard to say what someone would never do when someone's very drunk. And in a different state of mind, his friend with a long ponytail takes the stand and says that Lee really never got too stressed about money problems. And his business partner who talked to him on the phone said he seemed okay at the end of their call. He was happy and said he had friends, family over and he was going to go have some more drinks. Belinda takes the stand for the prosecution and she doesn't really want to be there for the prosecution, even though she doesn't really know what she thinks. She did not want to be testifying for the prosecution. She said he was acting normally that night. And here's another thing for a lot of people that do think that both her and Rob or one of them was guilty. I feel like they would be saying how depressed he was because they want it to look like a suicide if they did it. 
So they would not be saying, he seemed normal. I didn't take it that seriously. He seemed fine. Wouldn't they be yeah, saying- Yeah, wouldn't you play it up? Wouldn't you play it up and said, I don't know, he seemed really depressed. He was saying some off remarks about how he was going to kill himself. You know, wouldn't you say things like that? Yeah, it's a really good point. Good point. So, but instead they're all playing it down. Like, no, I didn't think he would do this. I never thought he would do this. He didn't seem that depressed. Mm. So the prosecution says the gun would not still be in Lee's hand if Lee had shot himself. And Keith says to the prosecutor, Rob is an ex-cop. Why would he put the gun in his hand then and stage the crime scene so poorly? And the prosecutor says, well, he was drunk. But he wasn't drunk enough to not know who Lee is. Mm. And then when the cop got to the scene, Rob said, I'm going to go wash my hands. And the cop said, no, don't wash your hands. And Rob went to wash them anyways. Now, that looks really bad that an ex-cop washed his hands for sure. But at the same time, the prosecutor saying he was not drunk enough to frame the crime scene correctly. He staged this crime scene, so he couldn't have been that drunk. But he was drunk enough to do it badly by putting the gun in his hand. Right. But he was not drunk enough that he wouldn't recognize Lee. And he was not drunk enough so that he was smart enough to know that he should wash his hands. That he needed to wash his hands. But why wouldn't he also just wash his hands before the police got there? Right. That's a great question. I think he probably didn't hear you say it, if I had to guess. Yeah. So there are still ice in the glasses. That's one another one of their points. Again, can I see? We Okay, we got to move on from the glasses because I could spend a half an hour on questions that we're not, we don't have answers to. There's blood on Rob's pants. And that makes them think that he had been sitting next to Lee when he died. Okay. The blood spatter expert and I don't know if he was the blood spatter expert. Yeah, he was. He was the blood spatter expert and an expert in, I guess, forensics. I think medical forensics. Medical forensics. He says that the body would have slumped forward, not backwards. So they think Rob moved the body. Sorry, do they think that he was standing or sitting? I believe they think he was sitting in a chair. Yeah. And so... And he slumped forward in the chair. And that's part of the reason why they think the gun would have fallen to the floor just because of gravity because he slumped forward, but his body was found more backwards. So that's why they think Rob moved the body. Also, wouldn't the chair have toppled backwards if his body, what kind of chair was that? I think it's like a heavier office chair, like maybe one of those rollers. I don't know. That's the one they are using in the courtroom. So I'm not sure if they just grabbed a chair or if that was a similar chair. Why wouldn't he still be in the chair then? Well, they think he would have fallen forward. Or if he fell to the side and rolled forward. Well, he was shot in the face. So I would think he would go backwards, which is what he did. So I would think he would go back, but then maybe maybe his body went like this and then the full weight pulled over the side of the chair. We don't know how tall. No, but he was backwards and they're saying he should have been forwards, but... I don't By my understand logic, how he was backwards onto the ground. No, you're right. He probably fell to the side if he went backwards and to the side. How did he get backwards anyways then? Did he fall on his back out of the chair? Is that what they mean? No, he couldn't have done that. He wouldn't have gone like this. Watch me. I'm in an office chair like this. Mm-hmm. No, if it had a high back on it, you can't go that way. The only way you can go is forward. So the only thing that I can think is that the shot propelled him against the back and pushed him forward, but still he ends forward. 
It doesn't make any sense for him to end on his back, to be honest, unless someone flipped him over to see what was wrong. I don't know. What if he was sitting slightly askew in the chair, like kind of more over one of the sides? Are we sure he was in the chair? Right. I don't know, honestly, if we even know he was in the chair. I sort of assumed this whole time that he was on a bar stool, that he was on a stool. This blood spatter expert is not... Helpful. Helpful. Yeah. So Rob left his footprints in the blood. And they think that means that he's guilty, that he moved the body. But he found the body. So wouldn't his footprints also be there because he found the body? Right. So Keith says to the prosecutor, the footprints don't show culpability. They just show movement. And maybe he was sitting there and Lee shoots himself and Rob gets up and then Keith does this wild gesticulating with his hands. I'm doing it. Katie's doing a inflatable car wash guy, inflatable car dealership. If you've ever seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when they're on the boat and Dee does the dance of the inflatable guy, <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm actually perfectly built for it. So and no, I will not be doing a side by side because that's rude. And don't ask me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Keith is moving his arms all crazy. And the prosecutor laughs at Keith. And then I don't appreciate that, sir. You need to stop. Don't laugh at Keith Morrison. He's making a point. Mm-hmm. I would be irritated if someone laughed at me. I know I'm Limmy. You know, <laughs> I know. But like I'm doing a thing. So you understand that a drunk person stands up. They don't stand straight. They're kind of wobbling around. Right. Yeah. You'd be disoriented. And then there's a dead person in front of you. Right. Who is your friend. Yes. Your son-in-law. You'd be confused. Now, I do want to point out, though, if what Keith is saying is Rob was sitting there next to Lee Mm -hmm. and got up. So that does go against what Rob's story was, which was that he was asleep, but he is very confused. So Heath does this inflatable guy. The prosecutor laughs at him. And then the prosecutor says, you keep coming up with these possibilities. And Keith says, but so do you. He shouts at him. And he's laughing too. Keith is laughing too. So it didn't quite have the bite as when he said, you don't have any idea beyond your own fevered imagination, do you? You don't have a clue. It was not as like cutting because he's laughing. Yeah. But it's still. Oh, it had a little sting. He's putting him in his place still. He raised his voice. Yeah, he did. His voice went up several decibels. Yeah. Absolutely. But so are you. So Keith points out there's no evidence of a disagreement between the two men. Between. Betwixt. Between. Betwixt the two men. Defense says Rob did have reason to kill himself. And then Keith says in voiceover, wait, he did? Which is, I think, what he wanted all of us to be doing. So the friends apparently didn't know how many money troubles the family was actually having. So there was money owed to the IRS. There were loans. There were credit card bills. There was 20000 he owed to a former employer. Belinda says that Lee had always made this joke that she always thought was a joke where he said, I'm worth more to you dead than alive because of his life insurance. And he made this joke all the time, apparently. No one has a copy of this email that he got, which is very strange. How is that possible? Who sent the email? This is 2013? Yeah. How is this possible? Do people delete their sent files? I don't. Should I be? Oh, no, I do because I run out of space in Gmail. Don't ask questions. But 
I've never run out of space in Gmail. And I have lots of emails. That's crazy. <laughs> I have like thousands and thousands and thousands of emails. How many thousand do you have? Because when I open mine, I have 31,000 unread emails. <laughs> does that help? It does. But what my thought was, was this has to live somewhere. And obviously it lives on Lee's phone. Yeah. Unless he deleted it. Uh, but the person who sent it should have a copy, especially if it was a business email. Everyone should have it. What is the issue here? It's How was so this not bizarre. gathered? Yeah. This seems like the police sort of made a mistake. I am very suspicious here. This seems very, very odd. I don't know. I also remind me to come back because there's this very specific kind of testimony that I feel like is missing in this trial that I feel like would really be helpful. Mm. Let's come back to it after we're done with the email talk. Okay. Belinda saw the email for a second that night and she's drunk, Mm -hmm. but she remembers that it's something like he had introduced these two companies and they were squeezing him out. And so that's why he was so upset. Lee had been exaggerating to everyone about the size of the deal. And a business guy even says that he had told Lee prior to that night that it was a no-go, that the deal was not happening. But Lee kept telling everyone about this huge deal that was going to come through, even though he knew it was over. And that's really sad. That's hard. But I think that was his personality. And so he knew that it was over pretty much. Defense says Rob was in a blackout stupor. When he heard the shot, he was confused and assumed he must have been in bed, but he actually wasn't. And later on, when he sobers up, he says he probably was sitting at the table with Lee. And just slumped over. Stood up. No, 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 slumped over asleep. Like, oh, right. Just fell asleep. In the was asleep sitting next to Lee. Yeah. They were both drinking. He maybe fell asleep, heard the shot, woke up. And then when he's talking to the police, he's like, well, I woke up, so I must have been in bed. That sort mm. of thing. So here's the kind of testimony. This plays in exactly to what you're talking about. What we need is testimony of both what Lee was like when he drank a lot. Right. So this is people that it would have been around him when he got to the point of blackout or almost blackout. Mm-hmm. Multiple witnesses mm-hmm. to talk about what his demeanor was. Mm-hmm. Did it make him more sad? Was he generally really, really happy? How did he get the stages of, of him being drunk? Mm-hmm. Then we also needed what is Rob like when he drinks? Mm-hmm. Has he been known to show his gun before? Has this, do you know what I'm saying? These are, there is important testimony about what these people act like when they're really intoxicated. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we don't get that. Why? I would like to know, does he have a habit of bringing out his gun and playing with it? That's what I mean. Is it something that like he's done before and doesn't remember? Also, have people seen him just fall asleep in place? Right. Because that happens. Yeah. You know? And if... Lee wasn't the type to act depressed when he was drunk. Still, it really only takes one time to be that drunk and it does think about suicide. But has anybody ever had a conversation with him that was dark or very, very deep when they were both drunk? Right. That's the kind of thing. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like he spoke to people uh, when he was sober that much about how he was feeling. So did he when he was drunk? Right. Because people can do that. Yeah. So Rob tells Keith, I was drunk, 
but I would never be so irresponsible as to bring out my gun and play with it or bring it into that environment. That goes against my core being. I was kind of a little like, okay, you did leave it in a duffel bag on the floor. But again, later, there's something that we hear about that. An alcohol abuse expert says that he was in a blackout because his blood alcohol limit was three times the legal limit. And it's totally plausible that he would have been that confused and not recognize Lee. Yeah. Defense says he washed his hands because have you ever told a drunk friend to do something? It's like herding cats, which I actually thought was a pretty good. We've both tried to talk to some of our friends that get pretty intoxicated and it's hard to get them to do what you want them to do. You have to trick them. Yeah. (laughs) You have to fool them into it. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, what Rob probably heard the officer say was, wash your hands. Right. I mean, he got it in his head and that was the end. Yeah. You were done. Mm-hmm. Was there blood on his hands? Right. Only blood on his pants? No blood on any other part of his body. Right. I still think we don't really know if they tested him for gunshot residue because even if he had washed his hands, it doesn't always all come off. So, But did you see blood on his hands like he had maneuvered the body? Right. Before you told him don't wash his hands. Before you told him don't wash your hands. Do we have a visual on blood on his hands? Why did the police officer say, absolutely, don't go out of my sight, sit on this couch, like don't wash your hands? I mean, it was his first homicide, this no shame to him, but it was his first homicide. So he probably lost control of the crime scene pretty quickly because he is hurting drunk people. Correct. Yeah. Speaking of hurting cats, do you like cat eye frames? What about sunglasses? Would you like a combo of cat eye and aviator frames? Yes. I call it the kitty pilot. There's an up and coming glasses retailer that offers tons of different styles of glasses and sunglasses, except maybe not the kitty pilot because I made that one up. At affordable prices, and when I say affordable, I mean your first pair is free. You can get your first pair of Kits glasses for free. You just pay $9.95 for shipping. What? I am the Comb Alone kid in shock right now. Ah! Ah! They also have designer glasses such as Tom Ford, Gucci. And while your first pair of those isn't quite free, you can take off $99. Canadian dollars, 69 US dollars off of those lenses. And all of their lenses are manufactured in their optical lab in Vancouver, Canada. So the quality is amazing. You get your glasses delivered to your house quickly, accompanied by the entire cast of Degrassi, even Drake. Maybe not. (laughs) I might be lying about that. Obviously, there are a few conditions. Some style exclusions apply. First pair is free if you have prescription up to negative four, which covers most people. But if you have, shall we say, more complicated or intense prescriptions, no shame to you, you can get the 99 Canadian dollars, 69 US dollars off on your deal. Wow. I just ordered the cutest pair of sunglasses. I already know how cute they are because of the virtual try-on. Next up, I'm going to order some glasses and maybe some contacts too, because they have like all brands of contacts. Try kits. They're amazing. Get your first pair of kits glasses on us. No strings attached. Just pay the $9.95 for shipping. Go to kits, K-I-T-S dot com and use code free kits. Yeah. Get the whole kit and caboodle. Done. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you, kits. Thank you, kits. Katie, trying to get your skin to behave is a lot like hurting cats. I mean, I'm dealing with pimples. I'm dealing with wrinkles. I'm trying to get a glow on. I've got a lot of cat balls in the air. And I've got a cat that only eats trout. (laughs) It's a mess. 
But cat problems are a little bit easier than skin problems. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a breakout at the worst possible time? Because I know I have. I've spoken about a few of them. My wedding, a huge job interview for a job I really wanted, the junior Miss pageant. But seriously, before I found apostrophe, I was pretty much worried about any major event coming because my skin was just always something I was really embarrassed about and I could never predict when it would betray me. Enter apostrophe, the life-changing, skin-changing apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, Then you snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan made just for you. Apostrophe treats all kinds of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne, even chestnut, backne, and buttney. Yep, they treat breakouts from head to toe. And your tushy. And your tush. When I joined Apostrophe, my skincare goals was to help me with my deep adult cystic acne, which was really painful. And boy, did they ever help me with a topical and an oral medication. The topical helps my skin texture and the oral helps clear the actual acne. It is amazing. I hit my skincare goal right away. They have adjusted it over time as my skin has changed, but that's the best thing about apostrophe is that as your skin changes, they adjust with you. That's the best thing about a customized treatment plan. Mm -hmm. Also, the best thing is the delivery of the actual apostrophe itself in the box. It's the cutest thing ever. I feel like I'm a YouTube unboxer because (laughs) it comes with cute postcards and stickers. You can personalize your prescription bottle so it doesn't feel like, oh, I have horrible skin. I have to take this medication. No, it's cute. I'm adorable. I'm a spunky teen taking my acne pills. I like it. You also don't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line for your meds. It's delivered right to your door and delivered in a cute box. It's a win-win. We have a special deal for our listeners right now. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash date dateline. Use our code date dateline and you will save $15 off your first visit. This code is only available to our listeners. Just go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline, click begin visit, then use our code date dateline at sign up, and you'll get your first visit for $5 only. $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E.com slash date dateline, and use that code date dateline to get your dermatologist crafted customized treatment plan for only $5. Thank you so much, Apostrophe, for putting a period at the end of my skin problems. Woohoo! Thank you, Apostrophe. So the defense puts an expert in a fancy rodeo style type shirt. Oh, we'll get to it. He's in a whole getup. It's not just a shirt. Oh, it is? Man, okay, I missed it. It's it's a getup. He says... Guns stay in hands 25% of the time in suicides. Interesting. Yeah. And it would have been impossible for Rob to have been sitting in the kitchen and shooting Lee and produce that route of bullet. Now, that doesn't really do much for me because you don't really know if he was sitting at that moment because he doesn't know. So you just know where his drink was. He could have gotten up and was walking around and shot him from any which way. 
you know. They put the blood spatter expert back on the stand, the state's blood spatter expert. They're like, you have no idea what really happened to you. And the blood spatter expert is like, yeah, no, I really don't know exactly. He basically backtracks everything. They say like this, couldn't it also mean this? And he's like, yeah, it probably could mean that. Does this mean this? And he's like, no, I don't really know exactly how it happened. So he's just speculating on all everything that he said. The defense's own blood spatter expert says it for sure was a suicide. So that's what their guy says. Whose finger was on the gun? This was very interesting. The state's expert says they can't exclude Lee because portions of the print match Lee and the print doesn't match Rob. So Lee's own fingerprint is partially on the gun. Why wouldn't Rob's fingerprint be on the gun because it's his gun? Well, he did un we'll get to it. What do they say? Unassemble the gun? Disassemble. Disassemble the gun. And I think usually when people do that, they also clean it and wipe it it. down pretty good. But he would have had some fingerprints, I would think, when he was putting it back in the holster. Hmm. But the the trigger print. The trigger fingerprint. Had a partial. Had a partial of Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Now I should mention that Rob has been interviewed by Keith in a blue collared shirt that we're only seeing from the shoulders up. So we're doing that is he in prison game. But we do see him walking around in his B-roll. So it's like, is he out on bail? Is this before the trial? Is he found not guilty? And then at some point it switches and he's being interviewed in a different collared shirt. Again, only shoulders up. So Mm -hmm. it's a very intense game of prison or no prison. Right. Rob feels very confident during the trial. And then Keith says, no surprise, the prosecutor reads the tea leaves differently. Mm-mm. He thinks it went great and he's going to convict him. The jury is out for days. On his 53rd birthday, they find Rob guilty. And Lee's family is so happy that they got justice. Belinda was at the gym when the verdict was read. And a lot of people found that super sus that she wasn't there. I'm not sure if she was even living in Arizona at that time, because at some point she had gone to live with her dad in California with the kids to like get them away. So I don't know if she was still living in California. Maybe she didn't come out for the trial. Lee's family came out for the trial. Where would not have been suspicious for people that are suspicious of Belinda? They felt like it was suspicious that she wasn't in court when the verdict was read. I don't know if I would want to be. Belinda doesn't seem like she wants to be there. She doesn't. And she's so conflicted because this is her stepdad who she loves and who her children love like a grandfather. He is their grandfather. Yes, But it's also her husband. And so she's like, did my dad kill my husband? She doesn't know if she wants either thing to be true, because if it's not true, then that means her husband killed himself. And if it is true, it means that her stepdad is a murderer and kills her husband. Yeah, this is a no win. No win situation. I don't find it that strange that she wasn't there. It's at all. Most type people are there because they're either really rooting for one side or the other. And she's not really rooting for one side or the other. She has no win in this. Right. Yeah. So I don't find it that sus. At all. I also don't find it such that she was at the gym. She's trying to be distracted. Right. For her. Be distracted. Yeah. Belinda has been leaning on her dad a lot, who was a psychiatrist. This is her bio dad, right? Her bio dad. Mm -hmm. And he loved Lee, he said. 
I thought he was a great, great man, but I do think he killed himself and he is a psychiatrist. He also says his wife, who's Belinda's stepmom, is also a therapist or a psychiatrist and she also agrees. Now, he says Lee was a good man, but there was a lot of false bravado that came with him being a salesman and an entrepreneur. And when that facade falls away, especially when you're super drunk, it's kind of shattering. It's like the tears of a clown, you know? Yeah. So he finds it very plausible. Rob's attorney, Dwayne Gates, isn't giving up. He's like, I'm fighting this to the end because he truly believes that Rob is innocent. So Dwayne surprises everyone in this episode, doesn't he? He sort of comes out of nowhere and is very unassuming. And then he like sort of does all this little fancy footwork here. And you're like, you're a pretty good attorney, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of there is this B-roll that I know I'm jumping to B-roll where Rob and his attorney, Dwayne, are walking. And it's literally like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in it Twins. Is. And it so it's very funny. He's like this shorter man that looks like he could be. He doesn't look particularly like a fancy attorney, if that makes sense. At all. It's just like Dustin Hoffman <laughs> just running around doing so, his thing. Well, he's a good and he's he's fighting for his client, mm-hmm, which is what you want. And so Keith says another chapter to this story was unlikely indeed, unless, well, we shall see. And then we go to commercial. Is this where the new stuff takes off? Yeah, I believe that this is where the new stuff, because some of the interviews, people are like older. So I think this is. Sorry, the last episode ended probably, yeah, at his conviction, I would say. Yeah. So he's in jail. Also, he's a cop, which is super dangerous. And so he, or is an ex-cop. So he is put in like protective custody. But Dwayne is working away. Dwayne uses his whole Christmas break writing up a motion for a new trial. And he says there was prosecutorial misconduct. They used unfair language and tactics. They were very shady about sharing information with him. Like if he was interviewing a suspect, they would give him all the information after the interview was already over. Things like that. They just made it very difficult in terms of sharing. Also, he says the verdict was contrary to the weight of the evidence. What he's basically asking for is the judge to reweigh the evidence and say, yeah, the jury, I agree with them, or no, I totally don't agree with what the jury said. And it's a huge long shot. Keith says he knew he was tilting at windmills. It was a Hail Mary pass. They're throwing every idiom at us. There we go. To show how much this never works. But then something incredible happens. Dwayne goes to visit Rob in jail and says, you're getting out. The judge reweighed the evidence and said the jury got it wrong, which almost never happens. He tilted at the right windmill. Sure. Sure. The judge says the theory of the crime by the prosecution was sheer speculation. It wasn't supported by evidence. Furthermore, the state's blood expert was inconsistent and not credible at all. How do you feel about this? I think it's amazing. I do too. I like that that's an actual option. I understand why it would be very frustrating for the family on the other side of it. But I also understand that if the judge very much thinks that the jury got this wrong and was dissuade by something else and didn't focus that this evidence was, you know, judges who hear trial after trial who know what real evidence is and what 
not real evidences. Mm -hmm. They were sort of blinded by this other stuff, you know? I mean, you know how many times we've seen juries get it wrong on Dateline and how many times we've been like, these people are idiots. These are my peers. I don't want my peers deciding my fate. My peers are, like myself, morons and uneducated about things. So I don't necessarily trust them. And sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. I would maybe rather have a judge weigh in. And this isn't just that the judge thought they got it wrong. It's that they didn't understand the weight of the evidence, the actual evidence that was happening. They were confused by the guy. So I like that it's all based on evidence. The judge can say, no, no, no. This evidence does show this. And the jury didn't get it. The problem is the prosecutor kept saying, science. We have science on our side and the facts the say this. The whole time, forensics. But they don't actually have they don't. any they that don't. actually say they it, don't. but he's using those words. And I think the jury fell for it and was like, well, they have all this science behind themselves. And it's like, mm-hmm. they, what science did they actually have? Mm-hmm. They didn't. They just had theories about what they thought happened. So- Rob is let out. The lawyer picks him up in jeans and a sweatshirt, which I thought was very casual. And I kind of liked it. Like he was at home when he got the call. You can pick him up now. Lee's family is furious, obviously. They were ready to fly in for his sentencing. They thought 12 jurors got it right. A judge shouldn't get to act like a 13th juror. I see that side of it too. If you're on the other side of it, you're going to be furious because you think this is over. But you at the same time, like a judge is maybe more qualified. I'm not saying there aren't corrupt judges or dumb judges. There totally are. But like a judge does more have more experience in this matter. That's why it's so important that this is an evidence-based ruling. This isn't just the judge feels like the the defense is, this guy is innocent. The judge is saying, based on the evidence shown. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or not shown. Or not in this case. Yeah. Right. Belinda talks to her dad and her dad once again says, there's no way that Rob did this. He did kill himself. And so Belinda finally has to face the fact. This one got me. This was really rough. That's this rough. is a hard part of the yeah. episode. Because and also, you can see the penny drop moment again for her. She has a few over the course. And this is just, you've been able to keep the emotion of what that means at bay until you have to face the fact that yeah. this happened. And then it's all the wave of what could I have done? Uh-huh. Keith says you've been through a roller coaster of different kinds of guilt. Yeah. And she wonders, could I have stopped him from doing this if I had told him the money didn't matter and I loved him no matter what? If I had taken him more seriously when he seemed upset about that email, I kind of brushed it off. What if I had really listened to him? Like, you should not blame yourself at all. But she's now having to face this years later. It's been strung along for so long that now she's finally having to face the facts. While she raises these two girls by herself. Yeah. I'm hoping that she's in a support group because there are a lot of people that are in this scenario Mm -hmm. that can talk to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And understand these emotions really, really well, because this Mm -hmm. just must be like a pit. I feel for Belinda. And I don't blame Lee's family for being on their side because they also don't want to face the fact that he would kill himself. You can't blame him for that. Exactly. We are sort of in a weird spiral here. And then the problem is nobody knows what happened. Right. So it's really easy to say, well, we think this happened. Mm -hmm. This is what happened here. Yeah, but I think it's probably more logical that he did kill himself. Unfortunately, I lean that way as well. Yeah. 
And not just because Dateline leans that way. I don't know. I think you never know what's going on in someone's head. And you can never say they would never do this. We don't really know each other that as well as we think we do. No, we don't, unfortunately. And And people do kill themselves all the time and their family members are shocked. Yeah. And based on the evidence shown in court, I don't think I would have convicted him. Yeah, I don't think there's enough evidence at all. No. Yeah, even if he did have something to do with it or it was an accident or he doesn't remember, there's just not enough evidence. Again, I really think that that, testimony of how he behaved when he was drunk would have been inc- mm-hmm. would have been incredibly helpful mm-hmm. here to know. So Rob goes back to California, tries to rebuild his life and his career. He lost his home. I was wondering if his wife stood by him because he is remarried since Belinda's mom passed away. And it, she did stand up by him. They're like couch surfing on friends' couches and stuff. So I was happy to hear about that. They don't say couch surfing. He says they're relying on yeah. help from others. I think they're getting help with rent. Oh, maybe. So the prosecutor, he doesn't want to move on. And I was like, stop with your maybe live strong bracelet. You need to let this go. But he has already filed an appeal to get the verdict reinstated to go against what the judge said. And now we know it's for sure a new part of the episode because we're seeing Belinda being interviewed by Keith and she looks completely different. Honestly, I had trouble comprehending it was the same person. Wow. I don't know why. She just looks really different to me. So her hairstyles change completely. She just looks different. So in 2017, The prosecution's appeal made it all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court, and they agree with the judge. They say there is simply no evidence that Rob did it. So case finally closed? No. Oh, my God. This is never going to end. So they, the prosecution gets another grand jury and are going to rearrest Rob because they're free to try him again. And so in 2019, he's arrested once again and he's released on bail. He goes back to California to wait for the trial. A year passes. Then 2020 happened. COVID courts were closed. Lee's mom had a stroke, but she's hanging on because she wants a conviction, which is just horrible. And it's been more than a decade since Lee died. And it's like they still can't move on because it's still all up in the air. So then Lee's sister gets what to her is terrible news. They're dropping the case. They're not recharging him. The state of Arizona said it wasn't in the interest of justice. And the decision came not from the prosecutor, but from someone above him. He still wanted to keep going. You could tell. But the people above him said, no, we're dropping this. And the sister is furious. And you just like want her to move on so badly and just come to terms, but she's just really holding on to this. And I get it. I don't know. You do what you got to do. I just, it would be hard to hold on to anger, but maybe the alternative is not. It's worse. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. This is a no win. Yeah. Now the prosecutor this time decides not to be interviewed by Dateline because he's out on a bike trip or something. I'm just kidding. Belinda says she is angry at the prosecution. She says they didn't stop when there wasn't enough evidence and they weren't about finding the truth. It was about winning for them. And the family, we were strung along this whole time and we paid the price for it. And I think she's right. And we've seen it before. We've seen it a lot of times before with prosecutors. And 
the state could still decide to come after Rob, but they're thinking at this point they're probably going to let it go unless, I don't know, new people come into office and they decide they want to do it. Now Belinda is going to talk to Rob and ask him the hard questions that she'd been wanting to ask because she never really talked to him about what happened this whole time. Some people thought that was suspicious too, that she didn't want to ask because they thought she already knows what happened because she was in on it. That's what people on Twitter thought. No. But she finally wanted to ask him, like, how did he know that the gun was there? They had said that he always brought the gun with him when he visited. So that's one way. But he specifically remembers that he had at one point in the night before she got home from work, he had taken the gun apart They said when he got there. When he got there, he had taken the gun apart and Lee had seen him do this. He had disassembled the gun. Disassembled it and put it back in his bag, which I hope was for like the safety of the grandchildren. That's absolutely why he did it. Yeah. So that explains how he knew about the gun and also maybe explains why his fingerprints weren't on it because he cleaned it. So maybe Lee went in and got it and he was too drunk to notice that Lee was doing that. There were no fingerprints on the rest of the gun that were Lee's? That I don't know. That would mean that Lee would need to put the gun together. Yeah. I'm assuming there were other fingerprints because it was in his hand in the photos. So there would be some fingerprints. No, because not if it was just set in his hand. Well, see, I saw one photo where he was was more like holding it. He was like this, right? It's like this. I got to look at both of the photos that I saw because I was very confused by the photos because one is from a different angle and it looks like the gun is drooped out of his hand. We also don't know how his body was because we didn't see the body and they don't tell us in court. So like that kind of stuff, we were just making guesses. Right. Now, if you believe the prosecutor, Rob was super drunk, but he wasn't drunk enough to not think to frame doctor the crime scene and he would have put the gun in his hand and made his hand hold it you know if he was thinking lucidly if he was thinking lucidly enough to think to wash his hands he would maybe also think to contaminate lee's hands with the gun to wrap his hand around it to show that his fingerprints were all over it do you think there's any way both of those things happened that he was awakened by the shot looks down sees a dead person on the floor doesn't know what happened sees a gun on the ground, picks up the gun, instinctively puts it in his hand because he's scared. Because he's worried he did it or just doesn't know what happened. And is like, wait, where's my friend? Because doesn't recognize the clothes that the person is in and doesn't recognize. Also, maybe they're flipped over to the back at this point. Maybe they did eventually fall forward. So sees him, can't see his face, goes, wakes up his daughter and stepdaughter-in-law, brings her out, he turns the body over, sees, still doesn't register who it is. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if like multiple things happened here. Yeah, he honestly doesn't know what happened, if he had something to do with it or not. So he quickly puts the gun in the hand. Right, because he sees it on the ground, knows it's his gun. Right. Oh, crap, I'm going to be in so much trouble. I'm going to lose my business and everything. Puts the gun and puts the the gun in his hand, even though he still didn't do anything. Right. But doesn't know what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally possible. I'm wondering if there's just a bunch of stuff that happened. And he would never admit that because that would just make him look guilty. Or he wouldn't remember it. Or he wouldn't remember that he did that. I don't think he remembers what he said on the 911 call at all. Yeah. The 911 call. Also, the first sentence is he shot himself. I don't get it. Yeah. Not Hello, 
I need help at such and such. You, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like he's having a conversation with, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. Well, he's I think Belinda's drunk. in the room too at this point. But so he's also kind of trying to tell her what happened, but he doesn't really know what happened. It is like herding cats. Like it is a very confusing, chaotic scene. Also, the grandkids are there. He's probably trying oh not gosh. to be that loud. Oh, I don't think he knows. I don't think he remembers that the grandkids are there. Even thinking that they're there. Yeah. A lot of people thought it was suspicious that she didn't hear the gunshots. Mm-mm. She says she's a very sound sleeper. She also points out the kids didn't hear the gunshots. Also, the kids weren't drunk and on a whole bunch of wine, which probably makes you more of a sound sleeper. So I have to be honest, the thing that I found the most suspicious at the beginning was that he woke up from the gunshot, which makes me think he was definitely in the room. Gotcha. Because I think if you're passed out, blackout drunk, you don't wake up for a gunshot. You might not wake up for a gunshot. Not in a bedroom. Yeah, maybe not. And he doesn't even say it sounded like that loud. It sounds like a popping, which is what most people say it sounds like on TV. And maybe a cop would wake up if that sound was right next to him. Right. But he wouldn't wake up if he was in a bedroom. That makes sense. I don't know. Well, he even admits that he probably was at the table. He just honestly doesn't seem to know. It's crazy. Okay, so he asks her about the gun. They talk about the gun. Rob decides not to talk to Dateline again for this second part. Belinda says he just wants to move on and he is wants a close relationship with her again and with the grandkids. And they can all finally move forward now after 11 years of this going on, which is horrible. Crazy. Yeah, it's horrible all the way around. Yeah. So much B-roll bonanza. Yes. What did you have? We had lots of album looking. Lots of mm. lots of albums. I did not see Loose Leaf. We got Lee's mom playing the piano, which I have never seen piano before. Yeah, I wonder if I've seen that. It was her and I believe it was her daughter. Yeah, I've never seen double piano. So that was interesting. And then we had a bunch of shots of the actual house itself. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a model almost. Did you notice that? They kept showing it in this very odd way where it was like almost a 3D. Yeah, they show the street that way a lot too. Like with cars driving, it almost looks like a model. Special effects. And it was lit just like it was its own house in the midst of this neighborhood. It was very strange. And then we saw something that we don't see a lot, which is people staring into space. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we see Rob and Belinda doing it at separate times. Separate times. Belinda's at least she was kind of like, maybe could have been looking at something that we're not seeing. Rob is sitting straight on the couch, staring Staring at at whatever's in the middle of his living room. Nothing. Staring into his mind. Yeah, it is the weirdest shot. It makes him look like a robot. It made him look very sad. (laughs) I felt for him. Uh, I was like, call better help. Yes. I was worried. Also, the defense attorney, his binders were like yeah. in a round. Did you see the yeah. roundy cabinets? Uh-huh. Yeah. So many binders. Also, there's one point where he's walking down the hall and he's smiling. <laughs> I think it's after he gets the judges. Yeah. Rolling. He's kind of a rock star. He was likable. He was yeah. a likable gentleman. For sure. We see Rob walking on the beach and staring at the ocean. And at one point, he's staring into the ocean. And this kid in the background does a backflip. I didn't see that. A backflip from standing. Not like a, you know what I'm talking about? I'm thinking of cheer, where you're literally standing up straight and you just do a backflip out of nowhere on the beach. What is that like? What is your life like if you can do that? How can you do that? I would do it all the time. If if I was just having a conversation that I didn't want to be in anymore, I would just backflip. What would you say 
and that's what I believe and walk away? Or would you rather do the backflip? Backflip. Oh, yeah. are you kidding? A hundred <laughs> times a backflip. Can you imagine if we were just at a party and you didn't know I could do it? And you and I were having a conversation and we started to argue and I just did a backflip. I can't even imagine the shock of my life after knowing you for this many years. And, and you, I just like, did it out of, out of nowhere. No, like, it, honestly, that would be amazing if you, like Jonathan Van Ness, just started taking tumbling classes and learned how to do it behind my back and never told me. And one day we're just standing there and it's been 20 plus years of knowing you. And all of a sudden you just do a backflip. I just went Phew! casually and you don't mention it. And nope. then you keep talking to me like knew about the conversation. <laughs> That would be the best day of my life, I think. That (laughs) That might top my wedding. Uh, Oh, so good. So there's word art. Belinda says, has, she's typing on her laptop and then there's, says family behind her in cursive. Belinda standing at a balcony. Belinda looking out at nothing. Belinda sitting by a fireplace. Belinda looking through photo albums. Belinda puts the B in B-roll bonanza. She She does. She's on her phone. She's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. She honestly, maybe seven or eight B-roll shots at least. Close-up shot of the defense lawyer, which was way too close. And I would yeah. have been self-conscious because that's yeah. like, I don't want you to see my pores. Apostrophe. Apostrophe. The horse statue. Fashion police. Rob has a mustache journey a little bit. We've got full, we have a soul patch for a while, which I'm really glad he got rid of because it looks much better to just have the mustache. And yeah. then he also has a full beard goatee situation. Yeah. yeah. And it's all that silver, which I do like. But I, I think I prefer just the mustache. He's very silver foxy, very much. He's um, very distinguished looking. It is a very distinguished look. Like that guy on the double date that we just our had. Our distinguished white haired gentleman. Our distinguished yeah. white haired mm-hmm. gentleman, yeah. Who wasn't a gentleman. He was a cad. He was a bit of a cad. The defense medical expert is wearing a shiny snap front <laughs> Western shirt. It's got metallic threads in it. Oh, For sure. Man. I would bet my life on it that it had black metallic threads in it. Jeans. Jeans. And a Southwestern belt. Wow. And by Southwestern belt, I mean black with silver emblems of some kind on it. Wow. It goes around. Do you know what I'm talking about? Wow. Yeah. He had a full getup on and he was not wearing slacks. This is Arizona. It is he was the wearing Southwest jeans. and he committed. He might have had cowboy boots on. He definitely did and had a hat and removed it for court. Yeah. At least he did that. At least he did that. Yeah. I was like, that's your expert. Are you sure? Right. That was the defense's expert. And I was concerned. Yeah. But then he got up there and I was like, okay, he's been in the business a while and he has personal style to boot. He has the luxury of dressing how he wants. He doesn't have to be showy about it. Well, he does. He's showy in a different way. He's showy in an I'm a cowboy way. Yeah. A very specific kind of like a fancy cowboy. Yeah. I respect that. But not that fancy that he's going to wear slacks to court. No, no way. Absolutely not. He's going to wear his good denims. Mm -hmm. They were good denims. They were clean. They Mm -hmm. weren't worn out. They were like a crisp, dark blue, but Mm -hmm. still denim. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yes, I have titles and they're all sad almost. So I don't want to hear any guff. This was a sad episode. So I, my titles are meaningful. Some of them. A chance for Rob? Worse. They might be worse. I honestly don't have titles. I was trying to play around. I had ice, ice, not melting, which was somehow supposed to be like ice, ice, baby. No, it worked. Tattoo my heart. This is literally how far I got. And then I stopped. I just stopped. I gave up. That's so yours, whatever they are, are complete. 
And I respect that. I had blackout. Mm-hmm. That was just a good blanket mm-hmm. title. Speaking of blanket, no blank, no blanket for Belinda. <laughs> right. Also, how have I not once mentioned my dad wrote a porno and Belinda blinks? It has taken a lot of self-control. Explain to people what my dad wrote a porno is because they're going to think that your dad wrote a porno. If they oh, don't know what it's, that is. it's a famous podcast. It's hilarious. And he found it. So he is and his friends read it and make fun of it. It is super raunchy, super hilarious because his dad does not know much even about sex. And so it's like watching the worst B movie of your life with friends and making fun of it. But it's the guy's dad's porno. And the character's name is Belinda and the novel that or it's like called Belinda Blinks. I'm sorry, the love interest character in the novel's name Belinda? Her, the main character is Belinda. Occasionally when she gets like stumped by things or just like something happens and she should have a big reaction, she it just says Belinda blinked. It's so funny, though. It's so poorly written. It's like in Schitt's Creek when David is reading The Crows Have Eyes with Moira and is like, well, look at this part. It says, where did they take Clara to? Where is she going, Clara? Are there two Claras? And Moira goes, it's a very common name. That's it's honestly not. what it's like. At some points, it's like that bad. It's so funny. And their three friends are just hilarious. Okay, I will try it. One day in the mood for a funny podcast. Yeah, you only listen to like serious true crime stuff. I, I really do. Here we go. No blanket for Belinda. <laughs> the good host. Because okay. that's what he said. He was a very yeah. good host. He kept topping their drinks. Yeah. The long shot. Because it's a long was... shot, but also because of the shots. Yeah. Shot, 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 shot. Do you shot, like shot, it? Shot. It's a good, it's a double play. Robbed of a decade. That's great. And then, oh, this one's too sad. I'm not reading it. <laughs> not going to read it. I'm going to show self-restraint. I'll send it to you in a text and you can go, oh, no. <laughs> it's just sad. It's sad because it's true. Oh. I'm just going to state my sentiments in this case is that I feel like he was pretty much found not guilty, I guess, by default after a while. But he kind of is always going to feel guilty. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's no, it's the, it's that thing. There's no not guilty for him. Right. Well, technically he could literally be charged at any time. So he's actually always on the line, but also, yeah, he probably feels guilty too and doesn't totally remember what happened. And so does Belinda. Yeah. Belinda's going to have like... They're in a prison of their own minds. And like I know that Josh says there is no closure, but they definitely won't have... No one's going to get any yeah. in this case because yeah. of all the questions. Mm-hmm. And the family also won't. Yeah. And then they're frustrated because they feel like the one person that can give them closure is the people that were there and they can't give it to them. Yeah. And so you would kind of hope that the police would come in and be able to see what happened here. Right. They want answers. The two people that were there, we don't know what happened. Then the police come in and we're like, we can tell you what happened. He killed him. Okay. I needed an answer. So now I have one. I'm going to believe the police. My question is, why did the medical examiner who was handling the body say it was a homicide? This county... Has some problems. So you think they were getting pressured possibly to say it was a homicide? It took a long time, by the way, for it to say it was a homicide. I don't know if it was incompetence or it was just a a mistake or it was pressure of some sort by prosecutors who really wanted a murder case. I don't know what it was. But you always have 
people with differing opinions, even experts. So we've seen medical examiners say one thing and other medical examiners say something else. So it took six months and this one medical examiner said it was a homicide after six months. I guess I wish we could have seen more of that and seen the medical examiner on the stand to understand why they made that ruling. Why it took so long. Based on the body itself. Mm -hmm. Based on the body. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because we get nothing really about that besides he couldn't have done it from the position we think he was. We think he was in, in the kitchen. You don't even know. He could have been on the couch in no, the well, living they room. Think, they think Rob couldn't have killed him from the position he was no, in. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Rob couldn't have killed him by the position Rob was sitting. They think Rob was sitting in, right. in the kitchen. But what if Rob was just in the living room attached to the kitchen? Right. If they had been able to prove that Lee couldn't have killed himself, then that would show that it was a homicide. But I don't think they were able to prove that he... But, we, but they must have been able to prove that. The medical examiner must have somehow come to that conclusion that Lee could not have done it because otherwise it's not a homicide. I don't think so because I feel like we would have heard that on the dateline or in the trial because the prosecutor kept going, we have facts, we have science. What is the science? Well, Kimberly and I have questions. We have so, so can... many questions, sir. Was that a live strong bracelet? <laughs> that is my main question. This is not my main question. I have. Did you have Twitter today? I did need to say one thing about Twitter was something that Charles, our friend, said, which was if Rob starts dating Belinda, I'll scream. And it was met with a resounding chorus of people saying, oh, my God, I thought the same thing. So people were getting weird vibes. That's what I meant by when I How? said that their situation was a little bit different than like a typical family. Where did they get that vibe? I did not get that vibe at all. They just felt like they were very close. And so people thought maybe Belinda did it and he was covering for her or they did it together to get the life insurance. People were all over the place. We never see them in a room together. (laughs) How did people get the idea? Because they said we were close because my mom died. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. Some people thought Rob was in on it too. They were all in on it. Rob wanted the life insurance to go to the family. So I guess he didn't have one of those suicide clauses. And so Lee wanted the money for his family. So he convinced the life insurance. So he convinced like Rob to do it uh, or got him really drunk so that he would do it or went trying to stop him. That's not a, I don't, that's not a terrible, I would like to know about the suicide clause of the life insurance, but some people thought that Rob was confused because Belinda did it and he woke up and was like, no, had no idea what was happening or that they were in it together. Yeah. A lot of people. <laughs> Sorry, did Belinda or Lee know how to put together a gun? Is that, is that a question that anybody asked? Lee saw him d- untake it apart, disassemble it. Can't seem to think that. And remembered when he was drunk how to put it together? It's a great question. Then I had that t- same thought was when was the gun put back together? Because they say that he Rob took the gun apart and we hoped it was for the grandchildren and he left it apart. But they don't say that. I kind of assumed he took it apart and cleaned it and put it back together and put it back in the bag without bullets. So all Lee would need to know is how to put in bullets. I think it might be also a little bit easier than we're thinking that he disassembled it into three parts. Right. It's not like taking apart his VCR. Yeah. Right. And that maybe a child would not be able to do this. Right. 
But uh, we hope an adult sees one, two, three. Yeah. Or it is possible that Rob does not remember, but he did take it out and they were playing with it. Which is, again, why we needed the drunk testimony that, yes, often we would take out guns and shoot them. Right. And yeah. go shooting or shoot yeah. at rabbits or but whatever. That's something like I don't believe if they said, no, he's never done that doesn't mean he didn't do it this one time. But if he, they said he did it all the time, that would be very helpful to know. I'm very curious. Okay. So some people think Rob is covering for Belinda because she did it for the life insurance. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. All right. Great job, Kimberly. Good recap. Thank you. Okay, everybody, check out our social media. Find us on Twitter and Instagram and join our Patreon. Thank you, everybody. Be your own. Belinda? No, be, don't, stay away from dark mushrooms. (laughs) Just stay away from the dark mushroom forest. Were they on mushrooms that night? Because that would explain a whole lot of this. No, that's it's just pure vodka. Just pure vodka. It's vodka. It's the devil's brew. But wait a minute. What was the dark mushroom quote? Mushrooms of the dark variety. The family was in a different kind of torment. Mushrooms of the dark variety. Yeah, but it's actually called mushroom those. treatment. Or you feel like a mushroom. I think that's the expression. Sometimes you feel like a mushroom. <laughs> Sometimes you don't. That's it. There we go. We got it. Bye, everybody. Bye. I do feel obligated to point out, even though I don't have time for it, whenever the moan at the beginning seems more pronounced. And I don't know. It it must be mood, whatever mood I'm in, because it's I don't think it's actually changing, but I hear it differently every time. I didn't notice it at all in this episode. That's so wild. Yeah. Okay, so but it you felt, did state you have a headache. I didn't have one earlier or yesterday when I watched this episode. So hmm, interesting. Yeah, had you eaten bananas? Something amorous. How was your potassium level? <laughs> that must be it. That's it. Nailed it. Gotta eat those bananas, guys, or you'll hear sensual moans where they do not exist. <laughs>